You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob, Ty Bo, and Sean. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am Ty Bob, joined by Ty Bo and Sean. We are joining you on a Tuesday evening after a big old fat Chiefs dub. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers 30-27, to although you probably know this by now. <clears throat> It's a it's a big it's a big week. We walk away with uh, I think we're three and zero in the division now. Uh, we've got a solid at least one game up on uh, everybody in the entire AFC. Um, there's not much there's not much that can get better from here. We just keep on climbing up like a roller coaster, except there's no down. It just stays up. You can clean those metaphors up, but. I'm not from the South, all right? It's it's hard. <laughs> Midwest, we we're pretty vanilla up here. Just shaking your head at me. He doesn't like it. That's all right, folks. Um, we have a lot to discuss. There were records broken. We've got a lot to get into. But first, I want to hand it over to Tybo, who gives us his new top five. Guess what, guys? It's the holiday season. So, in honor of that, I'm giving you my top five holidays. And, as always, my top five is not going to go the way y'all expect. Um, I do have and some. And some. some and some. Uh, it's actually just kind of a, a cluster of and some. My honorable mentions are any foreign holiday that can, you can make an excuse to drink for. <laughs> Mardi Gras, Cinco de Mayo, St. Patrick's Day, all the racist stuff that Americans do to, you know, like <laughs> the racist holidays that we that we make excuses to drink for. Yeah, those are honorable mentions because I'm still in that phase of my life where I like drinking and any excuse to get together with friends, go somewhere and drink alcohol, I will do that. I'm not stops. ashamed of it. Yeah, I'm not ashamed of it. I drink for American holidays too. So, you know, <laughs> find me on. It's not a phase, mom. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> <clears throat> With that being said, my number five is the 4th of July. The reason why the 4th of July is not higher up on the list is because I don't do well in summer. Usually drinking outside, it's a sweaty event. Um, meat and smoke and, and, all sorts of things are like hovering over you, probably other people's body over body odor as well. So, uh, but when you're trashed enough, it doesn't matter. So <laughs> the 4th of July does come in at number five, number four, good old Christmas. Christmas is a, is a wonderful holiday that gets the family together. Um, the only reason it's so low on my list right now is because Buying presents for all you fuckers is hard, okay? I'm broke. <laughs> that's, that's why Christmas isn't as enjoyable right now. But I'm sure probably later on in my life it'll be it'll be higher up on the board. But right now it's number four. Number three, if you were to see me in person, you would know why this holiday is above Christmas and on my list. Thanksgiving. 
I love to eat food. <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving is a holiday that is solely based around eating food. Uh, you add in football and the traditions that go along with Thanksgiving um, with that, and it's the perfect mix for me. That's why it's I mean, number three on my list. How many plates are you going to have at Thanksgiving this year, Tybo? Who knows, man? It's a minimum of two. It depends on how much I put on that first plate, to be honest. If I, <laughs> if I pace myself, who knows uh, how many plates I can get down, <laughs> but it's a, it's a minimum of two and then a dessert. So I want to I hear at least three and a half plates. <clears throat> man, I... I, while I still love to eat, I can't quite put it away like I used to. So we're talking about through I'm, the whole day, right? You got yeah, I'm plateauing. Yeah, well, okay. I'm thinking. Well, no, I was thinking more of just like the, the one sit down meal because that usually I'll fast for half the day. We eat in the afternoon ish, maybe early, I think early evening this year because of the way Zoe's schedule works out. Last year was the first year I contributed anything to uh, family Thanksgiving. I brought a baked mac and cheese. I put a, a ranch. It's a five cheese mac and cheese. And I put a ranch packet and the breadcrumbs over top of it. Hey, yo. Friggin' delicious. Love it. We'll be doing it again this year. Um, but yeah, Thanksgiving's awesome. Food, football, family. That's all you need in life. Number two, still in this phase of my life, my wife and I love Halloween. Adult friend Halloween parties are a lot of fun. Another excuse to drink. Um, and I, my wife and I like to do couples costumes. Uh, this year we were uh, Frodo and Sam. She was Sam and I was Frodo. <laughs> I was pedo Frodo though. Cause I had the, <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had the Fu Manchu. So it was a little play on Frodo. But he will always shave his facial hair for a good costume. I will commit. I will commit full, full on to a costume. I, the year before that, for our Halloween party, we were Eastman Kronk, and I shaved my face for Kronk. So, yeah, I love it. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is New Year's. Not typically very many people's number one, but. Uh, spending New Year's with my wife these past seven years doing fun, crazy stuff. That's kind of, it's kind of what's elevated it on my list this year. We're going to Chicago to see some of her friends and do stuff there for New Year's. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, it's another excuse to drink. Um, my parents always call New Year's Eve like amateur night and <laughs> I just like to drink on that day to prove them wrong because I'm not an amateur. <laughs> I'm a professional drinker. You can tell by all the holidays he enjoys drinking at. Exactly. Look at my honorable mention. You see the way I started out. But that's the top five holidays. If you uh, if you got any quarrels with it or have your own favorite holidays to share that I missed, please let me know. It's a good list. Solid list. Solid list. It's the holiday season, folks. It's coming up. We the hope, holiday season, baby. We hope you're ready to hear that song your, uh, a bunch. Christmas you know, music. No. The holiday season. And <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, we do have a little bit of news here as we head into our game breakdown. Uh, starting off from Jeremy Fowler. 
Um, he said the Jaguar safety Andre Cisco was fined uh, $6,612 for the unnecessary roughness hit on uh, Chiefs wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster last week. Uh, that did come out um, towards the end of last week. I believe uh, it, was, it was about Friday or Saturday that that did come out. Um, so it's good to see that the uh, league is retroactive. However, the refs need to need to get that thing straight. Uh, next little bit of news came from Pete Sweeney earlier today on Tuesday. Um, it was after some press conferences and questions for players and coaches. He said Chief Special Teams Coordinator Dave Tobe uh, said that corner Trent McDuffie and wide receiver Justin Watson are uh, receiving consideration for punt returner, but it does sound like wide receiver Sky Moore will get the first shot along with Kadarius Tony possibly being out of the mix this week. He did go out against the Chargers with a hamstring injury very early. Uh, so we have uh, to kind of wait and see how that one's going to play out. What's the report on his injury? No report that I've seen at the, at this time. That's not a good sign. As of as of Tuesday, there's been no report. Um, doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it's good. Um, could be that they're just being completely optimistic and waiting to provide any information. Um, although with as quickly as he went out and as quickly as they ruled him out of the game, um, that it doesn't sound very good. And in our final bit of news, the Kansas City Chiefs posted on Instagram earlier today on Tuesday, Travis Kelsey, best tight end in league history, has set an NFL record for most 100-plus receiving yard games by a tight end in the NFL history. Um, the one thing they didn't do was put how many games that was, uh, but it was it is a significant amount. Um, 30, he has 33. 33. He has 33 uh, at age right. 33. 33 at the age of 33. So not bad. It's not bad. That's he pretty just, good. He had to, he passed Rob Gronkowski who has 32. That's right. That's right. And he's on his way folks. He's on his way for the yardage overall for touchdowns. He's on his way for absolutely everything. He is on pace this year to have his best ever season. I think his pace right now is 1600 receiving yards or a little bit more, uh, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah, he already has his most tight ends or touchdowns and for his career through 11 weeks. Yeah, it's yeah, we, uh, I, I, I was we when Dan Harms was on in the offseason multiple times through the offseason. I this was this is going to be the focal point of our offense was getting the ball to Travis Kelsey. Look who Pat Mahomes is looking for Travis Kelsey on third down. He is his security blanket 100%. By the end of his career, by the end of his career, the only thing Rob Gronkowski is going to have over Travis Kelsey is yards per catch. His Gronk's Gronk's yardage is similar to Travis Kelsey's right now in about 100 less receptions. Possibly more rings as well. That seems to be a big standing point. Yeah, but but – Stats wise, like touches and reception yardage, I mean Travis Kelsey's going to blow him out of the water by by far. I mean the way the, the way Travis is playing, he if he continues to take care of his body, he could be a chief for the next seven years. We could see him play into his forties. 
especially with the way that the league is changing and protecting offensive players, it's not something that's out of the realm of possibility. <clears throat> well, quickly here, um, the game was very good. Uh, like I said, the Chiefs win 30-27. Uh, um, there wasn't really a lot of negatives to come out of this game. There are a few along with the injuries um, that that uh, surrounded the Chiefs. Obviously, Kadarius Tony leaving early, um, still having McColl out, who's on IR. Uh, Juju was out. Uh, there were a couple of other injuries that are notable, um, but they're possibly coming back for this week. Fellas, what are a couple of things that you saw that went wrong in this game against the Chargers? So one of the only things that I can really point to, um, I, I've talked about this topic before, but certain points in the game where the Chiefs feel like they could have taken over the game, um, there's only been a couple of games that we've really taken over. You know, the Bucks game, the the Niners game, those are those are the main two, the Cardinals game at the beginning of the season. Those are the games that we really feel like we kind of took over, but the teams were still so semi in it at the end. Um, but there was a couple of times the offense stalled out and uh, went three and out. I think there was two three and outs in a row. So there's just there's just small points in this game where you know we wouldn't have had to make a last minute or game winning touchdown drive at the end of the game. You know we could have been up by a score or two at that point, if we had executed in certain moments that would have let us take over the game. But that's the type of stuff that happens every Sunday in the NFL. So we still gutted out this win and beat a tough division opponent. Even if those stall outs, like you said, you know, going three and out really quickly, even if those aren't scoring drives, If we can if we can gather a couple of first downs and like allow the defense to get a little bit of a breather because they're on the field a lot already. If we continue to go three and out, that defense is just going to be dog tired by the end of the game, which, you know, hats to them. They they performed well all throughout the entire game. Um, but like Pat's got to learn. Uh, and maybe it's not Pat, but the play calling, like we've got to learn to get these guys a little bit of a breather. We got to stop going three and out late in the game. I agree. Yeah, I think one of the big things that went wrong, at least in the first half, was letting up so much yardage to their receivers. I mean, it's that's what the Chargers do against us every single time. It's always a close game, but it's hoping to see that they were able to come in and stop them a little bit more in the first half. I do feel like McDuffie and LJ played better than the previous game. I think LJ kind of made it a point this week to come out strong. Um, but Joshua Williams was not very good in coverage. This was the guy that had the bad game for us to, uh, on Sunday. So um, it, 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 it comes and it goes. Um, there's going to be, with how young we are in the secondary, and now um, who Juan Thornhill um, is – I, I think he picked up an injury in this previous game. Mm-hmm. So the the health of, of this secondary um, is kind of wavering right now. we got a lot of young guys back there. So expect mistakes, expect at certain times for us to get caught up on the back end because we just got young guys back there. Now, was is a SoFi Stadium, is that turf? It is turf. It's a lot of turf going on. Uh, There was a there there was an article put out by the NFL earlier this season 
Um, it may have even been a week, maybe two weeks ago. Um, they did put out that they they went ahead and did some research on the injuries where they occurred on grass or on turf and said that the uh, the amount of injuries, the the literal quantity of injuries between grass and turf are the exact same. Now, I didn't read too much further into the article, um, so it may have touched on this. But one of the things that we're seeing is that the the larger more crucial injuries are happening on turf versus on grass. On grass, there's just that little bit more cushion. On turf, you've got some tire rubber that's chopped up in there, and then you've got the concrete underneath. It's um, it's pretty alarming to to see the rate of injuries year after year after year happening on this turf. Yeah, and even recently, the I believe it was the president of the NFLPA even issued a statement out to Roger Goodell saying, hey, we need to fix this we cannot play on turf fields it's good uh hopefully they can listen it's going to be hard in certain areas but uh your billion dollar business figure it out um one thing that i noticed that went wrong kind of on the back of, of Tybo with the uh, young dbs i mean with keenan allen being in for half the game and mike williams being in for a quarter it's not like they still played well even with the injuries the guys who were playing <clears throat> Well, in the first um, first half or yeah, the first half of the season who were playing well are now no longer performing. We gave up 106 yards to a, to to Josh Palmer. Like that's with Allen and Mike Williams out like that's that's ridiculous. We cannot continue to do that against these teams who are depleted against wide receivers who shouldn't be wide receiver number ones unless there's injuries all around. You should be able to easily key on this. Now it was nice to see Justin Herbert with negative two receiving yards. Um, <laughs> but, but um, we gave up far too many yards. And even with Keenan Allen, if Keenan Allen played that whole game, I don't know if we win to be a hundred percent honest. He, he, he had five receptions for 94 yards. He was averaging 18, almost 19 yards per catch. <clears throat> The defense and at least the defensive backs are not holding their own. Um, I don't. I don't really know how to fix that either, especially with all the injuries that were happening. Coaching growing. That's that's the only answer at this point. We're not signing a veteran defensive back this late in the season that's going to come in and make an impact. Um, not we there. just we just got to hope that they can learn from the tape and get better. We've seen great things out of them so far. So, you know, I mean, Justin Herbert is a good quarterback. Um, he's he's the type of guy like Mahomes that's going to make people better around him. Now, time will tell because his record so far is not on par with that statement. Um, so, like I said, time will tell. But Justin Herbert is a is a fantastic athlete and is one of those guys that's going to make the 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 players around him better. But if we get to the playoffs and the third and fourth guy on somebody's depth chart, another team's depth chart is cutting us up, then, yeah, we're going to have problems. There was a lot of things that ended up going right in this game. Obviously, Travis Kelsey. Um, actually, before I touch on that, there there is one thing that we need to mention in the what went wrong uh, portion of this podcast. Uh, there was an injury that I didn't mention by name previously. It's Clyde Edwards-Alaire. 
another high ankle sprain. This, I believe, is his third high ankle sprain in three seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs. He is clearly not the back that we saw at LSU that tore up that Alabama defense in the championship game. Uh, he hasn't been since he got here, and part of that has to be due to all of the injuries he's getting. You heard Daniel Harms on this show uh, earlier this offseason about uh, the the appendectomy, I believe it was, um, six weeks prior to the season. He's now on his third high ankle sprain, which uh, history shows these are very, very bad injuries for running backs. They do not recover for them from them. The rehab is is un- non-existent at this time. Um, and we could see him out for a probably two weeks, maybe three. Do you guys obviously Rojo will no longer be a healthy scratch with Clyde being out? Do you expect to see Rojo actually playing in these games now that he's no longer going to be a healthy scratch? Uh, possibly, but there is another name that actually just got released by the Rams, Daryl Henderson Jr. Now we put a claim I wouldn't in be for, mad about it. <laughs> no, we put a claim in for Eno Benjamin. I think we're probably going to try to put a claim in for Daryl too. Hundred percent. Amazing, amazing pass blocker. The only thing I would be upset about is if they went for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want Melvin Gordon on my team. Melvin has been cut for a couple of days now. I would not expect that to, uh, well, I guess not a couple of, well, by now he's it's gonna, a couple of days. He's going to clear waivers more than likely. I would be surprised. What's, what sucks is I, what sucks is Clyde looked good. I mean, he, he had two touches really before he went out, but I like his, his first carry, like he didn't give up on the play. He, it stalled out and then he like bursted for three more yards afterwards. Like he looked decent with the ball in his hands. So I, I don't buy into any of the stuff that they were saying before or in the last game, you know, with him not getting any touches, it was just kind of a game flow situation. And, and, and Andy dismissed everything that they were saying. I, I trust Andy. I trust his game plan. Um, I don't, if Clyde doesn't get injured, I don't think Pacheco has as big of a game, but you see what happens when, that the you know the injuries occur someone's got to step up and Pacheco did yeah Clyde had two carries for nine yards it's four and a half yards a carry one of the things that I noticed from him before he did get the the ankle sprain was the concerted effort the effort the effort that he put in on those two carries was far more than I had seen at any other point in time with him carrying the ball um I think only getting six six snaps the week before and not being involved and in all this talk may have finally sparked a little something uh up up there for him i don't really know but um the the ankle sprain doesn't doesn't sound good so bad for the guy because this almost seals his fate he's not going to get paid by us and he may not have another place in the nfl after this I think there will still be a spot for him, but it's going to be a running back by committee 100%. He'll never be a full workhorse ever again like he was in in year one or how they tried to make him in year one, I should say. Um, But there were quite a few things that went right in this game. Um, Tybo, you alluded to Isaiah Pacheco, 15 carries, 107 yards. I want to turn this one over to Sean because this man called his – bleeping shot last week almost, good almost God. the exact 
exact thing I said. I said, what, 16 carries for 103 yards? Granted, he, thing, he, he didn't down, catch the He didn't catch the didn't ball, catch the did ball. he? No. Yeah, that's the only thing you really missed on. I mean, minus a touchdown, that was a good call. Look at that, man. Whenever he gets carries, he can go. 7.1 yards per carry. 7.1. He really changed up the offense for us. There was one drive where we just ran it the whole entire time, and they were doing an amazing job at that. Keep with it, man. The running game will help you I out think even the, more. The path should be clear at this point. Like, McKinnon's a good change of pace back, but, I mean, let Pacheco... I mean, let him do his thing. Let him cook. Yeah. Let, whatever we want to say. Like, let him let him get. The let ball. him eat. Let him eat. One thing Pac-10. I saw from Pistachio. From... <laughs> Pistachio. <laughs> One thing I did see from Pacheco this week, um, and it's a lot of concerted effort that's going around on this team. There was the effort from Clyde when he had his two carries, but what I saw from Pacheco was his effort to be more patient for the hole to open up. We had seen in the previous nine game or eight games that he was always looking to bounce it out as quickly as possible, find the open space and then go, it doesn't matter if somebody meets me there and I only get two yards. He's now waiting for the hole, at least in this game against the Chargers, with that effort to just be patient, find the hole, let it develop, and then follow through. Uh, What were some of the things that you guys saw from, from those developments? He was, like you said, he was hitting the hole. He finally got going. Uh, this all stems back to the fumble he had last week. Ever since that moment, he has been running like a different man completely. He's going on, showing out what to do, really pushing the limits on everything he's doing. And man, I love seeing that. He runs so, so angry. It is an angry, like he deserves an angry run segment every every single week on Good Morning Football. It's just it's just the Isaiah Pacheco run now. It's not an angry run. It's just that dude is mad every time he touches the ball. It's not even just that when he's in motion and when he's running routes and when he's split wide, there people out. have noticed that. Like I mean, you can tell who's running. You don't have to see the number. You can tell who's running when when Pacheco moves. They did a. Um, uh, uh, in pregame, uh, they had a shot of Isaiah Pacheco. It was a little ways away as he's walking towards the camera. If you wouldn't have told me that was Isaiah Pacheco, I still would have thought Tyreek Hill was on this team. They look so similar. It's scary. Tybo, what were some of the things that you saw that went right in this game? Uh, something... I was fairly certain we were going to see. I, I actually thought Pat was going to get more passing yards than this. But the the passing game in general, we spread the ball around. Sky Moore looked great. Jody had two really, really good catches. Um, we, we facilitated a very good offensive game plan against the Chargers, even though we had a couple of stalls and had to, had to win the game in the final two minutes. One of the things I saw just need to, we need to point it out because it's been so horrendous at the first portion halfway through the season. Um, the offensive line, the offensive line has also made an effort to consistently get better. Only given up one sack this week, 
Um, I thought maybe Pat held on to the ball a little bit too long on that play. Uh, it was it was good coverage downfield. Not much you can do in those situations. But the offensive line, and most importantly, an improvement has been Orlando Brown. Five games now. It's been a steady increase in his ability to be able to protect Patrick Mahomes. But across across the front, the run blocking has increased. The pass blocking ability has increased. This team is getting hot at the right phase of the season in all areas. I love watching Trey Smith out there block dudes. That You're man. talking about an angry run. That man mm. is an angry blocker. He's taking people's heads off. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's knocking wind out of somebody this season. Do you do you guys watch as uh, they go into a pass set where they they never put somebody up overhead on Trey. It's it's rare that it happens. It's maybe maybe 25% of the time. They always have the nose tackle who's either up over him or shadowing him go to his inside over the center while the defensive end continues to go to the outside. So he helps chip the nose tackle over the center, move him over, and then immediately sprints two yards as fast as he can and just Ray Lewis obliterates the defensive end. He's not just taking the wind out of dudes. He is knocking their heads off. Well, because when a guy like that gets his hands on you, you're out of the play. Don't get me wrong. Creed to his left is, is a very good blocker as well, but he's not, he's not the type of blocker that if he gets his hands on you, you're completely out of the play because I've seen him, I've seen him be blocking somebody kind of get swam or like moved out of the way and somebody still make a play. Trey Smith, if he gets his hands on you, you are more than likely out of the play and not going to affect it at all. 100%. Let's jump to the defensive side here real quick. I, where is the Nick Bolton hate coming from? I don't know if you guys are seeing this on Twitter. Uh, There's a couple people out there. I won't name. I have called them out on Twitter as they deserve to be called out because their takes are horrendous. But what is up with this, this hate on a young middle linebacker? He's in his second year. Um, I feel like, yeah, there are going to be some, some lesser performances. They're young. They're leading and calling plays across an entire defense of 11 plus players. Um, He is on his way to set the record for most 10 plus tackle games in chiefs history. He is right now sitting at fifth. If he gets two more games this season with 10 plus tackles, he'll be tied for third in chiefs history. It's Who more than years? likely going to happen. There's plenty of games left. The, the guy's an animal. And, and only in a year can, and a half of playing. You can pull the tape on any top linebacker out there right now, and they're going to have certain mistakes like that. Nick Bolton is young. If we feel like it's a little bit too frequent for like our, our LB1, our, our top linebacker on the depth chart, like I can kind of understand that argument, but – at this point in his career, the good 10,000% outweighs the bad. Nick Bolton has never been the reason that we lost a game. 100%. Willie Gay is up there too. I mean, the dude, all that guy also had 11 total tackles. Um, this is going to be easily within the next two seasons within. I'm not saying it's going to take, it's going to be less than that. 
the best linebacking duo there is across the league. That's a that's a position I feel like in the next couple of years it should be a priority for us to lock them up. Mm-hmm. There's certain I, I I've even seen people on Twitter saying that we that we really really need to extend Chris Jones. It, I, I, at at this point, I think we really need to assess like what positions get paid what and and who we can kind of get a little bit of a deal on. We're probably not getting a deal out of Chris Jones. His value is as high as it's ever going to be. Um, you know, this is a conversation for later, but Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, I do feel like are two guys that should be kind of locked up for the near future um, sometime soon. One question on that front, if we're talking about locking players up, we don't need to go into a whole lot of detail, but we do have what could be $118 million in cap space for this upcoming season. Now, obviously, there are holes to fill. Clearly, we need to re-sign Juju. That'll be a big one. But almost every other skill position is locked up for a while. We're good there. However, uh, Nick Bolton, he was a second-round pick. This is his second year. He has two seasons left on his contract. You've got Willie Gay, who is a second or third round, or excuse me, I believe he was a fourth round pick out of Mississippi State. Um, He has one year left on his contract because it was a four-year with no fifth-year option. You've got Creed Humphrey and you've got Trey Smith, who were also uh, outside of the first round, a second and a sixth. Uh, They have two years left on their contracts. Do we try to pin them down early, get them these extensions, knowing how good they are, how well they can play um, and without having to pay them top dollar? Do we try and lock them up early? I think the only guy we can really talk about doing that with now is Willie Gay, just because he's going into his final year of his contract. I don't think everybody else is going to be a priority until they're basically just have one year left on their deals. They're going to play the long game. They're going to try to redo some of the parts of the lineup and get more pieces in there for next year and build off of that. That's just, that's beach, man. So I, I, I agree with Sean pretty much wholeheartedly, but the, I'm thinking almost like three years down the line, like though that core group are guys that definitely need to get re-signed. The guys that are questionable, like do we let Sneed walk with the amount of young talent that we, that we've acquired in the secondary? What, what decision are we going to make with Chris Jones? Are we going to make the decision that I feel like we should make and try to get something for him or just not pay the premium at that position? Or do we try to keep a player of that caliber on our team for some years to come? Another one is Juan Thornhill. What I'm okay with letting him go. I'd, I'd be choosing, if I had to choose one or the other, I'd be choosing Legereus Sneed over Juan Thornhill. I would say Brian Cook played in his absence last night. He was well, sh- or Sunday night. He was shaking up a little bit of rust, but still, whenever he gets in there and is all the way back to game speed again, He's gonna be fun to watch, and I think that was the I think that was the thing with bringing in Brian Cook as highly as we drafted him. You're bringing in a guy to learn the offense, or excuse me, learn defense. the defense and how offenses play um, in the NFL. 
behind a guy who's super, super, super smart in Justin Reed and a guy who's been on the Chiefs defense in Juan Thornhill, allow Juan to play and see if he makes the effort to be able to be brought back um, and then, you know, kind of filter your way through. Given the injury history with Juan Thornhill, uh, you know, he he obviously has played well, but given the injury history, I would assume that we move off of him and allow Brian Cook to uh, to take that position in the following seasons. What were obviously we had uh, the the walk off touchdown from Travis Kelsey, which was wild. Uh, do you guys have any top plays out of this game that uh, that are on the top of your top of your mind? I have a, I have one or two, but can we just go back on that game winning touchdown? Mm-hmm. Almost the exact same thing happened last year. And that's no, it was building. the exact same thing. Travis Kelsey the, came out they and said, said it was, was the, the same exact play. same play. Exact same play. The only thing different this year was there was a there was a pre snap motion that helped dress it up. Love to see it. Anyway, simple simple crossing, crossing route. I mean, yep. like. I know. I'm it's it's a man beater. This. I mean, that's where that's Travis Kelsey's bread and butter. He's going to beat yeah. Derwin James on that every time. Big, big play that I saw. Ty was be mad I'm taking it, but Patrick Mahomes passed to Jody Fortson. Yo. Him and the quarterback. Nine piece. Perfect, perfect hold, route. The quarterback was holding his hands, holding one of his hands completely. Struck right in the breadbasket, man. Bloop. Damian Williams, former running back uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, came out. Uh, some somebody had, I don't know if somebody had asked him this question or what happened. Damian Williams came out and said that practice, Patrick Mahomes would have all the receivers, just somebody who was catching passes, running backs, tight ends, receivers, go out there, put their hands in front of them, close their eyes, and just run. In practice, just close your eyes, put your hands out and run. And he would drop it into their breadbasket every time. And when you go back and you look at the the review from that play, that's exactly what had to happen. There was no way that Jody could turn around and be able to pinpoint that ball the way that it was thrown. It wasn't with a high arc. It was on a rope. It was just going. And the, the placement, the DB was right in his line of vision. He just had to know that Patrick was going to be able to put it right there in that breadbasket. It was a great I think all of my top plays would be the five sacks that we had on the night. <laughs> uh, going to kind of include that in what went right. The defensive line play was very good uh, on the night. Mike Dana showed up. Uh, Willie Gay had a Willie Gay had a blitz sack, and Chris Jones was Chris Jones. Uh, we had a five sack night that was wonderful to see, um, but. I I did also say in the preview show that defense wasn't going to take over this game. Uh, The offense still had to have a a last-minute drive to win the game. Uh, The defense played well enough, um, but we did get torched a little bit on the back end. The defensive line play um, is kind of what held the defense together at times. Um, So my top plays are going to be all the times Justin Herbert was picking himself up off that turf. Another big play here that probably goes unnoticed. Uh, MVS's lone catch of the night, the curl back on the final drive. He broke that cornerback's ankles, man. Stopping it down. It was nice. Uh, my my play of the night, 
uh, outside of obviously the the walk off touchdown has to be the the interception at the end of the game. And the key theme here is the effort, the effort that went into it, the coverage, the batting of the ball, the keeping it up, and the way that Nick Bolton comes in and doesn't give up on the play, makes sure that he gets the takeaway so that the game is just done. The effort by all those guys that were involved in the play to get to Justin and to stay on coverage and to make sure that the ball stays up and to make sure that you're there diving in position to get that, um, like that that is what wins teams these close games and ultimately wins teams championship is that you're making sure that if you're not in position, you're getting in position with the effort, no matter where the ball is across the field. Any other top plays you boys want to talk about? Mm-hmm. There, None that really come to mind. There were some unsung heroes that don't get talked about enough in this game. Mine has to be Sky Moore. Sky Moore. Um, it, it, like, he doesn't jump out when you look across the, the stat box. It's five receptions, 63 yards. That's, that's very good, especially for a rookie who hasn't been involved in the offense that much. Uh, with Kadarius Tony going out, he was able to do the punt returns. Um but five of those receptions, like they, I believe three of those five receptions were all on Derwin James, a guy who repeatedly locks up Travis Kelsey, supposedly locks up Travis Kelsey every single game, could not lock up Sky Moore. That just says a lot for if we can get this guy on the field, we can get this guy the experience, the hope that we had for him when he was drafted is definitely there the more he can get on the field. He was a great look at a extra third down spot. Pat was throwing him to, to him a lot in third downs. It looked like throughout the night, he proved he can live up to that. He is basically just a different version of Julian Edelman. He's going to be running across the middle, short, quick routes, able to catch the ball in traffic and still get the first down. I'm I'm having a tough time really choosing an unsung hero. Um, a lot of the the names that showed out are are common names like LJ, Travis Kelsey. Um, I mean, we can let's 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 say the offensive line uh, in the run game was our unsung hero. Uh, Pacheco looked great, had a great game, but he doesn't have the yards per carry that he has without running behind that offensive line. Um, they look really, really good in the run game. That's for sure. I'm going to go ahead and switch it over to defense real quick. Uh, Mike Dana, two sacks. You don't Stole hear his mine. name called for sacks usually. He, so Mitch Holtus was talking about Mike Dana on 610 uh, on Monday with, with uh, Carrington. Um just recollected back to camp in how camp is a perfect way to tell who is going to make plays throughout the season. And Mike Dana had a fantastic camp. I remember going with Tybo uh, early, uh, earlier on. um, And Mike Dana was one of the standout guys. He was always moving, hustling. And the cool thing to see about going into the season is that they are moving him across the ball. He is not staying right side. He's not staying left side or even outside. He got one of his sacks by being a nose tap 
excuse me, being one of the nose tackles. And when you go back and you look at that play, what was really special was that big name players always tend to take more players. And so Chris Jones is crashing on the inside of that offensive line going from uh, basically the one tech over to the three tech and carrying the the center along with him. So now he's taking a center and a guard and the tackles obviously washed out. That leaves the guard and the tackle on the right side, but the guard is also washing down to help on the defensive end, which means um, that Mike Dana had a free reign after a chip just to get after him. I mean, that play was special and to see how quickly he can move and get in the ball and doesn't give up on plays and doesn't give up on himself through a season. It's really cool to see his progression so far. Another Any unsung other hero is uh, the hands of the defensive lineman. They're getting some uh, blocks to the line. Batting balls down. Carlos Dunlap got one. Uh, I believe Nick Bolton got one as well. We love seeing that. Was there anything else real quick that you boys wanted to talk about uh, for this game versus the Chargers? Just incredible to watch as a Chiefs fan, 14-0 road division games for Patrick Mahomes. It's insane to think about. It's even weirder to think that his home record against division rivals is worse than his road record. Um, but it's it's success is what it is. And for, you know, barring anything catastrophic happening to our precious golden boy, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to be here for nine more years. At least. I just love I just love the fact that no rival no other team in our division has ever seen their team win where we come to town with Patrick. It's beautiful. That's gotta be so defeating if you're anybody else. Well it's almost it has to it has to elicit the same kind of feelings that I feel when I think of Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady ruined our playoff chances many times. Um and he was just always winning when my team wasn't. Uh, when I was a kid, so I that said, I can only imagine what young Chargers, young Raiders, and young Broncos fans think of Patrick Mahomes, and uh, I do feel bad for them. It'll be interesting to see what they have to say, um, you know, here in the next couple of decades as uh, Patrick Mahomes will finally flutter out of the league, hopefully, gracefully. One of the um, best things about that, though in that 14-0 is I believe only five of them were not one-score games. So we are giving you a chance and taking it right away from you every single time. <laughs> you gotta be quicker than that. <laughs> <laughs> the Grim Reaper at its finest. It's nice It's nice to, to, to make them feel like they've got something and then rip it away from them. Candy from a baby. Uh, I just love to, to take in their tears on Twitter every single week we've got some more tears to take away this week as the los angeles rams head into arrowhead to take on the kansas city chiefs it is a 3 25 p.m central game make sure to check us out later this week as we are coming with our breakdown even though or our preview even though 
It is Thanksgiving. We'll still be here for you. So make sure uh, to check out the NFL show that comes after this and then check us out later on this week as we bring you the Kansas City Chiefs versus the former Super Bowl champions, the L.A. Rams. Make sure to remember always, go Chiefs. Go Chiefs!